Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey dudes, what's up? I do it every time and you laugh every time. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Easy to please. Sup. Sup. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great day. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, you guys. It fucking <laughs> snowed here yesterday. And it was kind of fucking snowing earlier this morning. What? A little bit. I'm not... I do not like this snow no. situation. No. Like, it either needs to be enough snow that my kid can make a snowman, or just be warm. I say just be warm. That's what I say. I want to move to the beach, to be honest, for being honest here. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm considering leaving everything behind, including you. Oh. <laughs> well. That's what I have to do to be happy. It's what I have to do. All right, so if you've never been with us before, welcome. Yes, welcome. And it's going to be lighthearted in here. We're going to quote some super obscure movies. We'll quote Friends, probably. Maybe a little Clone High. Yeah. Other other things from the days gone by. (laughs) Yeah. The glory days, if you will. And, uh, you know, we're going to find the humor where we can, never at a victim's expense. We're going to be respectful. That's it. And we're kind of cursy. Yeah, it's going to be very, very colorful. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy was very funny and he never cursed. <laughs> so we need to remember that. Yes. Before we jump into today's case, just a quick reminder that uh, the Patreon is off the chain. I'm so glad we're saying that now. I know, me too. And uh, we've got, we're halfway through Don't Fuck With Cats. We've got Family Man, Family Murderer in there. And the next one we're going to do um, at the $10 level is going to be The Confession Murderer. Or Confession Killer. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of it at all. Confession Killer. The Confession Killer, yes. It's going to be pretty Rufus. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I went there. I all said right. it. right, you sure did. So make sure you are joining us in there at some level. I mean, even at $5 a month, you get a bonus episode every month. So there's something for everyone in there. Definitely check it out. All right. This week and next week, we're going to cover the case of a missing toddler who would be six now, six or seven. But he went missing when he was a toddler on a camping trip with his family. And that is Dior Coons Jr. So here we go. (laughs) For research for this, I went down 50,000 rabbit holes online, but there are a couple of documentaries you can watch, too. There is HLN did one. Um, It's a series called Real Life Nightmare, and this one was Horror at the Campground, I think, covered this case, so it's like an hour long. That's on Hulu. Um, People Magazine Investigates did one called Where is Baby Dior? And I think this one you can only watch online. But it's called Little Man Lost, and it's on YouTube, and then it's on the, whoever made it, it's on their website as well. It's a six-part series. Six-part as far as, like, they're, like, ten minutes each, so it's oh, not. Okay. So together, the six parts would equal, like, one episode. Pretty much, yeah. It's not, like, six 40-minute episodes or anything like that. <laughs> okay. But there's lots of information out there on this case, so if you're interested in watching any of those, you, like, totally can do that. <laughs> Feel free. Yeah. Idaho Falls 
Idaho, in 2012, Jessica Mitchell and Vernal Dior Coons Sr. were expecting their first child together, which would be Dior Jr. So they had been high school sweethearts. They ended up breaking up. They ended up each getting married. Those marriages did not work. So they kind of like ran into each other. I don't know, like somewhere around town. After that, they reconnected and they got pregnant pretty quickly with Dior. So they ended up getting engaged. And Jessica at that point had two children from her previous marriage. And Vernal at that point did not have any children. So this is his first child. And Dior was born in September of 2012. They described him as a very independent child. They said that he loved playing with his, like, cars and trucks. Those were big for him. Uh, Vernal was a truck driver, so, you know, they were always like, he loves trucks like his daddy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, They said he was really content playing on his own. Um, They called him the happiest baby around. And if you see pictures of him, he's just absolutely precious. A little cutie patootie. Jessica was a CNA, which is a certified nurse assistant. So a lot of times they'll do like home health care. They'll be the people, you know, that come and help people who need home health or whatever. So what ended up happening for her is, from what I can tell, she had a hard time keeping a job for a long time. And her grandfather, Bob Walton, had COPD. And he needed care on a regular basis. So she ended up becoming the CNA that went to his home to take care of him. So it was essentially her job. It's it's not 100% clear if she was paid by a company to do this or if he was just, like, helping her out and that's what she was doing. I'm not really sure, but she was his home health nurse. Though. She was his home health nurse, and she did that for about a year. And Vernal said that she had not been able to keep a job that long before that. So I wonder why she couldn't keep one. I don't know. He, in an interview later on, when they're asking, like, if he trusts her, he's like, with our kid, yeah, but to make any major life decision, no. The way he describes her is she maybe just wasn't very responsible or mature, necessarily. She'd been taking care of Bob for, like, a year. And in 20, so this is in 2015. So in July of 2015, they decide to go on a camping trip. And Bob, even though he's not in good health, he's an avid outdoorsman and his health was getting worse at that point. So he said he wanted to go on a camping trip and Jessica, he wanted Jessica to go with him so that she could kind of help take care of him. And he's on oxygen 24-7, like he can't just travel by himself. The plan was that they would go up together, Jessica, Vernal, Dior, Bob, and Bob invited his friend, Isaac Renwand. And Jessica and Vernal and Dior would stay with them until they were going to go up Thursday, and they were going to stay with him until Sunday when Jessica's mom, which would be Bob's daughter, Trina, was going to come up there and join them. They live in Idaho Falls, but Bob picked a place called Timber Creek to go camping, which is in like a big national forest and or public forest. I don't know if it's a 
professional. I'm not an outdoorsman. <laughs> um, so whatever. But it was right outside of a town called Lador, Idaho. So it's like an hour and a half away from there, I think. And there's like nothing there. It's just forest. So that's where he said he'd been there a few times. He wanted to go fishing, like all the stuff. They're all going to drive up there together. And the town of Lador that Timber Creek is outside of has a population of 105. And if you look at it on like, like in any of those documentaries, they do like an overhead view. And say you were doing an aerial shot of like a really big high school or something. I feel like that's the size of this. Like the, wow. it, the population is 105 in the whole town. So Lador, wow. you look at it. And that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like this stretch of road. All the buildings are there. They don't have a McDonald's. They have nothing. It's just like locally owned stuff and 20 or 30 houses. That's it. That's like five homeroom classes combined. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's not that many people at yeah. all. It's basically the size of my mother's Jack Russell. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's a very remote area. Is the whole point. And one of the guys on one of the documentaries was like, once you've pulled into Lador, you've basically pulled through Lador. Mm-hmm. Like, you've already passed it. It's yes. gone. The campground that they chose was about 40 minute drive or so from the town of Lador. And they said that in the documentary, one of them, they said that the closest campers to them would have been a half mile away. So you're alone there, completely alone. So they get there on July the 9th in the evening. They drove down in the afternoon after Vernal got off work. They get there at night, set up camp, go to sleep, whatever. So the next morning is July the 10th. So basically what we're going to do is a super kind of high-level overview of the case. Then we're going to start drilling down into details because there's a lot of details and they don't all match in any way, shape, or form. It's a lot. So I'm just going to do like high-level. So... July the 10th, they wake up. I can't go into more detail than that because it gets muddy. They go into town. I can't get into more detail than that because it gets muddy. <laughs> what? I know, it, so- it sounds so stupid, but you'll, you'll see in like five minutes. They go back into town to get some stuff from the store. What they needed to get is not verified. Who needed to get it is not verified. It's ridiculous. So, but they do go back into town. We know this. They come back to the campsite. They decide to go fishing. Jessica and Vernal go fishing. Bob is at the campsite, and Dior stays there, according to the parents, and sometimes Bob. Sometimes Bob. Yeah. So the way that they say it is that, in one statement, is that they are going to go fishing down at the stream. They say that they're walking down to the creek back, like, behind the campsite, and Bob is sitting there in his, you know, camping chair. And they're like, hey, Bob, you got Dior. Can you keep an eye on him? Because they said he was getting ready for his nap. And he's like, yeah, I'll watch him. No problem. Has Bob watched him before, though? Not that I know of. And he's on oxygen. I was going to say, is he in any position to be watching a precocious two and a half year old? It doesn't seem that way. So, okay, fine. Whatever. You're going to keep an eye on him. So then they start walking down and they say that they turn back to look and they call him Lil Man. Not what I would have called him. Yeah. I'll just say that. They're like, we turn back around and Lil Man's following us. So we're like, hey, do you want to come with us or do you want to stay with Grandpa Bob? And they very specifically say, Dior says, 
or Vernal. Okay, I've got to get it straight. I'll call him Vernal always. Jessica goes back and forth between calling him Vernal and Dior. Oh, okay. Because they call the babies, the baby's name is Dior. But they call him Lil Man. But they almost exclusively call him Lil Man. They never call him Dior. Okay. Like, ever. Okay. So, I don't know. But I I will make every attempt to only call Vernal, Vernal. But she goes back and forth between Vernal and Dior. She does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, more Dior with him, but sometimes Vernal. But, like, in all the documentaries and everybody and, like, the investigators, they call him Vernal. It's a lot. So, anyway, so they're like, little man is following us. So, we're like, do you want to come with us? Do you want to go with Grandpa Bob? And then Vernal says very specifically that Grandpa Bob says, no, he wants candy and holds up, like, Snicker bars or something. And Dior's like, okay, I'll stay with Grandpa. So, he stays there. So, they go down. They're fishing. They're looking at fishing spots or whatever. They say they're fishing about 20 minutes or so. And then Vernal is like, man, little man would really love to see this. Or goobs, depending on the statement. Goobs? Now we've got goobs. Goobs would want to see this. Okay. I'm sorry. The quality of nicknames for Mm -hmm. him. I just have some notes, you know? Yeah. Sucks. Like, yeah. He says he goes back up to the camp to go get him to show him the fish. And Jessica's down at the creek still. She stayed. She's still fishing. And she says that she hears Vernal talking back at the campsite, and then she hears him yelling, and she hears him say, we can't find little man, he's gone. And she says that she drops her fishing pole where she stands, and she takes off running up there. And she's like, what do you mean he's gone? What do you mean we can't find him? And they start looking around everywhere, they're freaking out, and Grandpa Bob is like, I thought he was with you. Because Vernal says he walks up, and he's like, hey, Grandpa, where's Lil Man? And he's like, well, I thought he was with you. And he's like, no, he stayed with you. Like, you literally just shook the bag of Snickers to entice him to stay with you. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, well, fuck, how long have we not had eyes on him now? You know, the whole time we've been down there, apparently nobody's been watching him. They start looking around everywhere. They're freaking out. A call is made to 911. I just, I can't go into any more detail than that. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But um, there's a lot. The reason, there's discrepancies. Literally everything I've said, there's discrepancies. None of it matches. Like, your mind is going to blow up about this. So, a call to 911 is made. We know for sure that Jessica calls 911 because it's recorded. What's the address of your emergency? Um, I'm actually camping in Redwood. Just outside of Redworth. Uh-huh. Um, my two-year-old son, um, we can't find him. What's your name? Jessica. Pardon, Jessica who? Mitchell. How long has he been missing? About an hour. An hour? Yeah. Are you by water? Yes. Okay, stay on the phone with me, okay? Okay. I'm going to put you on hold. John? I need. Do you know which campground you're in? What? Timber Creek. Pardon me? Uh, It's Stone Reservoir, Timber Creek. Stone Reservoir? Yeah, or Timber Creek. 
Hold on. We need search and rescue. Jessica? Jessica? Yeah? What's your son's name? What is it? Your O-R-R. What's his first name? That's his first name. Your. B-O-R-R. O-R. Just O-R-R? Okay. What is he wearing? He was wearing cowboy boots, a blue um, pair, like pajama pants, and a camel jacket. And he's got shaggy blonde hair. How tall is he? Hello? I'm not exactly sure how to give it up. Are you there? Is your husband calling too? Like all down where we were camping at and we can't find him at all. Okay. Hang on. Do you know how far outside of Ledor you are? What? It's the turn off right after like the general store in the post office in Ledor. And it's at Timber Creek. As you're going up over the pass? Um, if you're in Ledor and you're at the like gas station, you take the street on the left hand side, right across the street from the gas station and go straight out that street. Is it a paved road? Um, no. Okay, as you're headed towards Ledor, you take a right on the street across from the gas station. It would be a left. A left. Yes. And it, oh. there's a sign that says like Timber Creek and okay, stuff from, like that. And you're coming like from Idle Falls. Yeah. Okay. Hang on just a second. She said you take a left on the street just past the gas station as you're coming in from Idle Falls, and it says Timber Creek. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we need you to stay within cell service. We've got people going on, on the way. Thank you. Um, wait a minute. And you keep us updated with anything that's going on, okay? Okay. All right. Don't don't go away from cell service. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So one of the key players outside of the family or the people that were on the trip in this case is a man named Philip Klein, and he's a private investigator that was later hired by the family to try to find Dior. He later says that there were actually three calls made to 911, one from Jessica, one from Vernal, and one from Bob. But the only one that's been released is Jessica's call so far. Now, in the documentary, 
they talked to Trina, her mom, and her mom says, Jessica called me very concerned. She was so hysterical. She said she couldn't understand anything she was saying. And she's like, you need to calm down. I can't understand you. And so she said, we can't, you know, we can't find little man. And Trina was like, you need to call 911. Like, get the fuck off the phone with me and call 911. So she's like, okay, okay, I'll call 911. Um, and I'm going to read Jessica's written statement here in a little bit, and she's also going to confirm that she did call her mom first. Keep that in mind. That's all I got to say. But you you just hear this 911 call, and I know that, I mean, we've talked about it till we're blue in the face, that you cannot go based on emotional behavior kind of things necessarily. But if we are to believe Trina and Jessica's statements, that she had literally just hung up with her mom and was so hysterical she could not breathe or speak understandably. And then she calls 911 and she's like, yeah, hey, mm-hmm, yeah, so he's been probably missing like an hour. Yeah, we're near water. Hmm, you think he could have gone in the water? I mean, she's not, you know, saying this stuff, but it's like, That's you're the level. totally calm now? How did you calm down that much? I'm just confused about that. Like. It's it's so close together in proximity, yet so completely different in description. And we don't have Jessica's call to her mom recorded, but we have this recorded. And right. they're supposed to be back to back. It's just kind of weird to me. How she like locked it up and... And that well. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's what I don't get. So we'll get into that more later. But the Lemhi County Sheriff's Department and Search and Rescue arrive and they get there really quickly how far it is considering how far it is yeah they start searching and the thing about this campsite i'm gonna put pictures of it on the website so if you go to killerqueenspodcast.com and go to episodes you'll see this but because i think it's worth seeing the images because the campsite is i mean it's rugged terrain and there's water around But where they are, it is a very open area. There are some trees, but it's not like you would think of, like, there's just forest completely surrounding them. heavily wooded area. Yeah, it's not heavily wooded. It's very open. There are some treed areas, but not close by enough if you're thinking, how far could a three-year-old get on his own? You can almost see it all in one shot kind of thing, you know? Um, So... It's just interesting to note that. And the sheriff, um, Sheriff Penner, who came out there, he was like, we thought we'd find him really quickly, you know, because we're thinking this just sounds like a, a three-year-old who kind of walked away, you know, maybe just exploring, gets distracted, got a little bit too far and doesn't know which way to go from there or whatever. With as many people as they had out there, they thought we're going to find him in no time. A little look who's talking moment when he takes off from the... Oh, but does he drive living car? home? <laughs> well, he did do that, yeah. <laughs> With his breadstick. He. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There is the reservoir near the campground, though, where they were fishing. So there's water. So that's a that's a concern immediately. Did he try to follow them down and maybe didn't go in a straight line of exactly where they were, but got into the water and God forbid he's drowned or something. They do bring like search dogs and everything with them. And the dogs did hit on the reservoir, but they did not find Dior in there at all, which is like, thankfully, you know, at that point, they're not finding him in the water, you know, and they're just thinking like kids walk off, you know, 
they get distracted. They see something they want to go play with or whatever. And, like, how many times are you with your kids and you lose track of them for a minute, you know? And it's, I mean, 20 minutes is 20 minutes at this point. I guess it's an hour. But whenever they first found out about it, it had only been 20 minutes that he was missing. It's not allegedly. Well, true. <laughs> it's not a huge amount of time or a huge window. So hopefully... Right. And with you would it think being, you'd be able to find him. Yeah, with it being that open, it just, yeah, you'd think you would find him. And when I was, when I have been reading about this case and and watching stuff on it, like, when you're at this point in the story, and this is, if you, if we're believing everything that everybody's saying, right? I went fishing, we just, I thought he had him, he thought we had him, it was, you know, misunderstanding, whatever. That is terrifying as a parent, you know, like how quickly you can lose track of your child and, okay, now we've had to call the police. Like, this is a big deal. Um, it's just, it's terrifying. So, the search was extensive. I mean, they had tons of people out there. Trina drives up immediately when she hears about this. Like, they've got lots and lots of people out there and they find nothing. And I'm not talking like they don't find Dior. They don't find... So he was wearing that day a camo hooded jacket, some like little sweatpants. He had a shirt on underneath that. And he was wearing rubber, like almost like rain boots that were three sizes too big for him. So they were, you know, just slip on boots or whatever. They don't find any of that. Nothing. For them to be as big as they were on him, you'd think that he would have lost one of them at least. Exactly. And they never find a boot. Not never. To this day, we've never found a boot. So, it's that's very concerning because after they do this initial extensive search, they come up with three possibilities of what happened to him. Did an animal grab him? They've got bears up there. They've got wolves up there. They've got they've got big predators up there. I mean, it's it's the fucking wilderness. Like there's animals. It's the fucking wilderness. I mean, respect. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> so they think, okay, maybe it's an animal attack. Then could it be an abduction? Somebody came in and grabbed him. Or the last possibility would be family involvement. But that's not where they initially went. Initially, they're thinking animal attack or abduction. So they go all around. You know, they're looking. They're fanning out really, really far from the campsite even. I mean, they're in the forest, but they're far. They're looking in wolf dens. I mean, they're inside places where they think an animal would bring back. Wow. Prey. And they said that, you know, Dior was like 30-ish pounds or whatever. And they're like, that's about the size of something they'd eat. So it's possible. But they don't find anything. And in addition to, like, not finding remains in a den or something like that, like we said, they don't find a piece of clothing. They don't find a boot that came off. If an animal is going to pick him up, you're going to find blood somewhere. You're going to find bones. You're going to find a piece of clothing that came off in a struggle. He would have been screaming, I would think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody heard anything. They were able to rule out animal attack pretty quickly. Then the second theory was abduction. Okay. Well, that's incredibly unlikely because if you look at the only way to get into this campground, there's one road in and out, and it's a seven-mile-long road before you hit any other. It's like a gravel road seven miles into the campground, and there's not shit else around it. So what are the odds of somebody sneaking in right, and then sneaking back out undetected? And then if you 
believe Grandpa Bob's story that he was. So when the when the search and rescue get there, he tells the sheriff's department. Well, I mean, I I was sitting in my camping chair and he was on the ground next to me playing with his toys. He had cars and stuff he was playing with. And so I'd turn my head and look over at him every, you know, couple minutes or whatever. I turned my head once momentarily, basically. I turn back and he's not there anymore. Okay. Well, if if you turn your head, turn back and he's gone, even if you're talking about a span of 60 seconds or whatever, you're going to know that somebody came up there because they couldn't have got away on foot with him. First of all, he would have been he would have made noise. And also, they would have had to bring a vehicle somewhere near enough by that they could get to it and drive off. There's only one way in and out. Mm-hmm. Nobody heard anything. Right. And Unless it was like witchcraft or something. Right. And you're saying Grandpa Bob is sitting right here, even if his back is to Dior. He didn't. It's just so unlikely that somebody came up and snatched him. From right the fuck behind him. Well, and just because you can't see something doesn't mean that all of your other senses yeah. are. Yeah. And I mean, he's he was older, but still. Like, there's, I don't know. It. They were able to roll that out pretty quickly, too. They're like, look, this that doesn't make any sense. And again, if you grab that child and he's kicking and screaming, those boots are going to slip right off of him. They're that big. So, we don't find anything. Nothing. Nothing almost nothing to even suggest he was there that weekend, but we'll get into that too. So that just leaves family involvement. So now we need to look really, really closely at the statements of the people involved. All right, you guys, I'm going to read Jessica's written statement. Then I'm going to read Vernal's written statement. Jessica's is 14 pages long. Front and back. (laughs) Luckily, just front. But I think it's important though. I really do. So hers starts off that Wednesday. So they went up on Thursday night and he went missing on Friday afternoon, about 2.26 p.m. is when they reported it. So she actually backs hers up and starts hers on Wednesday, July the 8th. And just like, just pay attention. On Wednesday, July 8th, Lil Man and I spent the day at our apartment cleaning, watching movies, and hanging out. Around 3 p.m., my mom called me and asked if I could come to the house and help her move stuff from her camper to my grandpa's camper because she couldn't do it with her ankle. Lil Man and I drove to my mom's house, and I started to help my grandpa, mom, and stepdad move things out of the camper while Lil Man played in the yard next to the campers. Is it weird... That they only refer to him as little man? I don't know. It's I guess weird to me. I don't understand it. Because that's one thing that I've seen people make the comment that they're distancing themselves from him a little bit, you know? Like, if they had involvement and they just can't bring themselves to say his name kind of thing. It does seem weird to me, but I know that Andrew works with a guy who they refer to their son almost exclusively as Bubs. Like, I feel like they call him that a lot. But they do call him... They do call him his name to sometimes. I mean, that's his nickname, but I feel like they, it's like you never hear his name come out of their mouth, ever. I don't know. It's just weird to me. As I was helping my mom and grandpa, my mom asked me what our, mine, Dior, and little man's plans were for the weekend. I told her we didn't really have plans. She asked me if I would like to go camping to watch my grandpa because I took care of him as a CNA for almost a year. I know the signs of him being low on oxygen. 
I told her that I wanted to go, but I needed to talk to Dior about it. That's when my grandpa told me about his friend that was going, that was going to be going too. He's a little odd, but he's a good guy is what he said. My mom told me that her and my stepdad were going to be busy Friday and Saturday, but they were planning on coming up on Sunday to help get stuff packed up and to hang out for a bit before we all headed home. After helping my mom, I loaded Lil Man up in my car and we went back home. We then had dinner with my aunt and cousins while Dior was at work. When Dior got home, I told him that my mom would like us to go camping with my grandpa and his friend to make sure my grandpa was okay. He's got COPD and is on oxygen. Dior then told me he was already planning on going to Montpelier to go cut wood for his dad for the winter. We had a bit of an issue agreeing on what we were going to do. Dior was hesitant on going camping because he wanted to do something else that weekend. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thursday morning, I was woken up by someone knocking on our door and our dog barking. Dior got up and answered the door, and it was my grandpa. I got up, and he asked if we were going camping with him and if I could head over to my mom's house so we could write a list of stuff we needed to get. I told him I would get me and little man ready and be right over. At that time, Dior was getting ready to go help his boss, Jake, in Blackfoot. I got myself and my son ready, and we drove to my mom's house. That's the other thing, too. I got myself and my son ready. They either, they'll say my son a lot. Or a little man. Yeah. But, like, if you're writing it out, like, if I'm writing this out, I got Ben and I ready. Yeah. Just say his name. Like, it just seems like it would cut down on so much just to say his, to write his name. Myself and my son. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. We drove to my mom's house. When we got there, my grandpa and I wrote out a list of the things I needed to go get at the store. My grandpa handed me some money, and little man and I got in the car and drove to Albertsons on 17th Street. There, we did all of our grocery shopping. We took all the groceries to my mom's house, and I put all of the groceries in the camper, my grandpa's Suburban, and the coolers. My grandpa then gave me some more money to go get some ice and a few more things from Smith's and Maverick. Little man and I went to Smith's, then we went to Maverick to get ice and smokes. We drove to my mom's house and unloaded the groceries and ice out of my car and into the camper, coolers, and Suburban. I went into the house to tell my grandpa that we had, that I had gotten everything packed up and that we were going to go home and wait for Dior to get home so we could leave. My grandpa said we should all just meet back at my mom's house so Dior could help him get the camper hooked up to his Suburban and we could follow him to pick up his friend Isaac. Lil' man and I went home, I gave him some lunch, changed his diaper, packed our clothes and things to go, and watched a movie until Dior got home. When Dior got home, I loaded our stuff, Lil' man, and some wood into Dior's truck. 
We then headed over to my mom's house where Dior helped my grandpa hook up the camper. We followed my grandpa over to Isaac's house, and when Isaac came out of the house, he had a black truck sitting on the sidewalk, I'm sorry, trunk, sitting on the sidewalk, that he put into the back of Dior's truck. Isaac then got into my grandpa's Suburban with my grandpa and Dior, our son and I, followed in Dior's truck. We stopped at the KJ's gas station on Broadway to fill one of the camper tires. She's very detailed. Very. Dior got out of the truck to see if my grandpa needed help. Then he went into the store while Lil Man and I stayed in the truck. After the tire was filled, we got on the road headed toward Lador. My grandpa's suburban and camper started swaying really bad, and after a couple miles, my grandpa pulled over. Dior got out of the truck to see what was going on and then moved his truck so that he could put the camper on his truck because my grandpa's suburban was overheating. We then continued on toward Lador, and just before we got into Mud Lake, our truck started to overheat. So we pulled off into this parking lot where they dump a lot of sand and, and road salt. My grandpa and Dior got the camper hooked back up to the Suburban, and Dior went into the camper and realized I had packed everything toward the back of the camper, so he moved stuff around so it wasn't going to make the camper sway so bad. We then continued on to Mud Lake. <laughs> we got to the little gas station, and Dior and Isaac both went in to grab a few things. And this is the first time they've met Isaac. They've never met him until this trip. Dior came out with two drinks and a mini pizza. I gave a piece to Lil Man to hold him over until we got to the campground, and Dior and I had the rest. We got back on the road, and when we got into Lador, we stopped at the restaurant bar to get some dinner because it was getting dark, and my grandpa said we still had a little ways to go. My grandpa, Isaac, and Dior got out of the vehicles and started walking towards the restaurant while I was getting Lil Man out of the car seat. By the time Lil' Man and I started walking across the street, Dior was headed back towards the truck, saying it was closed. So I loaded Lil' Man back up into the car seat, and we followed Isaac and my grandpa. We drove for about 45 minutes to an hour before we found a campground. We stopped. Dior and my grandpa set the camper up off the Suburban, and I got Lil' Man out of the truck. I went in the camper and organized things and got my grandpa's bed ready so he wasn't doing it in the dark. I then got our in parentheses, Dior, Lil' Man, and I's bed set up in the back of the Suburban. I got Lil' Man changed into pajamas and a new diaper. Dior took the diaper and put it into a grocery bag and hung it up in the tree. We then sat by the fire. Isaac and my grandpa went in and went to bed, and Lil' Man, Dior, and I sat by the fire and looked up at the stars until we decided it was time for bed. Then we all got into the back of the Suburban and fell asleep. Friday, July the 10th. Friday morning, we were awoken by the door being flung open and Isaac saying, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Way to wake up. Dior, Lil' Man, and I woke up. I changed Lil' Man's diaper while Dior got out of the Suburban. We all started talking about breakfast, so we started a fire and I got breakfast started. Dior, Isaac, and my grandpa were sitting around the fire and Lil' Man was following me around with his cup and blanket in his hands. Lil' Man kept getting really close to the fire with his blanket and kept tripping, so I took his blanket and put it in the Suburban with the rest of our things. After that, when I got to the bathroom... Or when I went to the bathroom, I realized I had started my period and didn't have anything, so I told Dior we needed to go to the store ASAP. After we got done with breakfast and cleaned up, I told my grandpa we were going back into town. He handed me 50 bucks and said, get whatever you need and get me some candy. And then she draws a line and says, my grandpa told us he wanted us back by 1 p.m. so we could go fishing when we got back. So Dior, a little man, and I got into Dior's truck, and we drove to town. On the way to town, Dior told me he wanted to stop somewhere to get some more diesel in his truck. 
It was a new truck, so he didn't know if the fuel gauge was correct or not. If it was a new truck? Don't you assume it's correct? I always do. Is that wrong? I don't know. I've never seen anybody be like, well, this is a new truck, so I better... Better just not trust it. Yeah. An old truck, maybe. Definitely an old truck. Maybe it was a new-to-him truck? Yeah, I don't know. So when we got into Lador, we stopped at the stage stop where they told him where he could get diesel. We drove two buildings down from the stage stop and Dior went across the street to the hotel to pay for diesel. When he came back to the trunk truck, he told me their pumps were broken, but there was a place called Peterson Welding that had diesel. So here's my question here. He went into... Like, is he saying, is she saying that he went in to pay, but they didn't take his money? I think so. Okay, because they were out of it. All the while here, you know, ladies, if you're listening, you've started your period damn near two hours ago now, and you have nothing. There is no way that you would be able to just be like, you know what, take your time. This is fine. Yeah. You're going to need to get to a store to get your things very quickly. Yeah. And you've shoved paper towel in your undies told you over <laughs> like this awful. is an emergency situation <laughs> yeah dior got directions to peterson welding and we headed down the road after being on a road with nothing but houses i asked him the directions he told me the directions and i told him that he needed to turn around because the post office he mentioned was behind us after we turned around we found the correct road we found peterson welding and dior went in he came out with a guy that told us to drive to the back of the building we drove around back where their pumps were and Dior and the guy talked while filling up the tank. After getting diesel, we drove back to the stage stop gas station. I took Lil' Man out of his car seat and carried him into the store. I found tampons. The candy my grandpa wanted, and then I helped Lil' Man pick out his candy. We stood at the counter and Dior asked if we were hungry. We decided to order some potato wedges, which are on the receipt as JoJo's. Delish. While we were waiting for them to cook, I noticed there was an older man that was watching Lil' Man really close, and the look he was giving him scared slash worried me. After we got our potato wedges, Dior talked to a guy in the store that was driving a semi. After we paid for our stuff, I asked Dior if he could take Lil' Man so I could use the bathroom. I went in the bathroom, and when I came out, I saw Dior and Lil' Man outside. I went outside and Dior was on the phone with someone as he was putting our stuff in the truck. So I picked up Lil' Man and walked around to the passenger side of the truck and put him in his car seat. I gave him some potato wedges. And he had a cup of Krispy Kreme donut holes and a small bag of Swedish fish. I opened his Swedish fish and we headed back toward the campground. Pay attention to that. (laughs) This is fucking crazy. When we were driving up the road going towards the campground, Lil' Man was in the back and he kept saying bad fishy and Dior looked back and said, what did that fishy ever do to you? And we all started laughing. When we got closer to the campground, I noticed my grandpa and Isaac in the Suburban pulling into the campground. We followed them into the camp. Dior got out of the truck while I got Lil' Man out of his car seat and out of the truck. I got the bag of candy out of the truck and handed the candy to my grandpa wanted to him, and he said, you're late, it's, ap- it's 10 after 1. I told you to be back by 1. I laughed at him and walked back to the truck to put the bag on the floorboard. And Bob, like, if you watch any of this stuff, he is curmudgeon as fuck. Like, I don't know if she's just like, oh, grandpa. But if he did, in fact, say that, which I'm sure he didn't, but if he did, in fact, say that, I'm sure he was actually legit pissed. But she's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... When I started walking back, I heard my grandpa and Dior talking about fishing, 
and how when we were gone, him and Isaac went to the reservoir and they caught fish in the creek. Dior and I couldn't believe him or didn't believe him. And I told him I wanted to fish, but there was no way they caught fish in that creek. We sat around by the fire pit for a few minutes, maybe 10 to 15. And then I decided I wanted to see if I could catch anything in the creek. I grabbed a fishing pole out of my grandpa's suburban and a container of worms. I asked the little man if he was tired and ready to take his nap, and he said, yeah. Two-year-old, don't say that. Thank you. So I looked at my grandpa and asked him if it was okay if I left little man with him. Yeah, you ask a two, you ask any child if you're ready for their nap, and they're like, no, I'm not sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> I am always ready for my nap, but kids never are ready for their nap. No, absolutely not. So I looked at my grandpa, asked him if it was okay if I left little man with him. He said yes, and then looked at Isaac, who was talking to Dior, and told him to show Dior and I where they were fishing in the creek and caught the fish. We started walking up the path toward the upper campground, and we noticed little man was following us. So Dior and I stopped, and Dior asked him, do you want to go with us or stay with Grandpa Bob? And little man replied, no, yes, and turned around and walked back toward my grandpa, who was sitting in a camp chair by the fire looking slash watching us. Dior and I turned back and started walking with Isaac again. After a few steps, I turned around, walking backwards, to check to make sure little man didn't change his mind and again wasn't following us. When I saw him, he had his back to me and was walking towards my grandpa. He was right next to a big rock right by the picnic table in the campground. I turned back around and continued to walk with Dior and Isaac until Isaac stopped and pointed down to the creek in different places and said, we were fishing here, here, and here. Then Isaac turned around and started walking in the direction of the campground. Pay attention to that. Dior and I went down to the creek to look for any fish. We walked along the creek and saw a log that we could walk along, so Dior and I walked across the log. That's when I noticed our dog Missy was with us, trying to walk along the log, trying to get to us. Where the fuck did the dog come from? Thank you! Thank you! Like, I read 40,000 articles and watched three full fucking documentaries about this, and I was like, what dog? Yeah, it's this homeward bound where they just, she just showed up. She just, yeah, knew where they were, and she's like, I found this cat along the way, and she told me you were coming here? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Uh, later, they're going to say that um, Grandpa Bob's dog is here, too. Are you kidding me? No mention me? of that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <sighs> yeah, I, I like this whole thing. I'm like, am I taking crazy pills? Where the fuck did the dog come from? There, there was no mention of a dog, <laughs> and as detailed as she has been, there should have been a mention of a dog. She has never once said on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I packed the leash... I packed dog food. We had the dog in the back. What were they going to do with the dog in the truck when they went into the restaurant that night? Where did the dog sleep? I tied the dog up and then we went to sleep in the Suburban. Yeah, nothing. Crazy pills. I walked back toward the creek bed and started walking along the creek again with Dior following us. And these are like, yeah, this is so detailed. Even when she says, I was turned around to look at little man to make sure he's not following and in parentheses she says i'm walking backwards she even makes sure to say if she's walking forwards or backwards which way she turned her head if the dog was there there would have been mention of it in somewhere in and she probably would have pointed out every time it barked Mm -hmm. you know yeah exactly because it's yeah it's so detailed I walked back toward the creek and started walking along the creek again with Dior following. As I walked along the creek, I kept looking toward the campground and saw my grandpa. Pay attention to that. I didn't see my son, but I figured he was laying in his double camping chair. 
Dior and I continued to look at the creek and found out that we could walk across some rocks to a middle section of land where the creek split. We crossed the rocks and walked along. We stopped to a section of the creek where there was some down trees and some brush that was closing off some of the water flow. As Dior and I stood there, we saw some minnows, and Dior said, Goobs would love to see this. He then turned around and headed toward a tree that was across the creek. I put down my container of worms and fishing pole. I put a worm on the hook and threw the line out, threw the line in. I cast out my line a few times, and in the distance, I could hear Dior's voice talking to someone. I figured he was talking to our son, Lil Man, or my grandpa. I turned around to see if Dior and Lil Man were behind me, and when I turned to look back at the fishing line, I saw something out of the corner of my eye move when I turned my head to the right. I saw Isaac with a fishing pole and tackle box. At that point, I heard Dior behind me yelling. I turned to look at him, and he said, Goobs is gone. We can't find him. I said, what? And he repeated what he said. By then, panic set in, and I threw down the fishing pole and started running towards the rocks I could walk across. Once I got across the rocks, I ran up the bank to Dior. When I got to Dior, he said, your grandpa doesn't know where Goob is. I started glancing around the campground to see if I could see Little Man and then started walking walking to my grandpa. When I got to my grandpa, I asked him when or where he last saw Little Man. He then pointed over to a tree and said he was right there sitting in the dirt playing with his boots. Dior then started to search around the campground and yelling his name and nicknames. What is his name? I know, right? Did I, know? I mean, like, I started walking around the campground and down by the creek looking for Lil Man. After searching the creek, Dior and I decided it was time to call 911. Pay attention to that. As we were searching a little bit more, and uh, this is the thing, every, like, I've said that, what, 15 times now? Because direct contradictions by somebody else or themselves later on. I mean, it's insane. After searching the creek, uh, okay, we decided to call 911. As we were searching a little bit more, we got to the upper camp- campground, and I thought I heard Lil Man saying Mama, and I took off up the hill to see if I could see him. When I couldn't see him, I went down the hill towards Dior, and we finally decided it was definitely time to call 911. Dior said he was going to drive down the road so that he could get service. I walked back to the campground and grabbed Little Man's blanket and pushed it in our dog Mich- Missy's face while Dior went down the road. When I told Missy to go find Little Man, she took off towards the creek where I followed her. She took me along the creek and then back up the campground where she then took off down the road towards where Dior went. I checked the camper in Suburban for Little Man with no results. I then decided I needed to check the creek some more. When I came back from the creek, Dior came up the road asking me if I'd found him yet. When I told him no, he started searching the area again. After five to ten minutes of searching, Dior said he was really going to call 911. Oh my God! He's they. Nobody had still called or had not called him yet or them yet. What the fuck I'm trying to say. <laughs> Apparently, and Dior drove up the road to, to get, get service, service to call. And this is like the eighth time they've been like, okay, this time we're really gonna call nine one one. Did Jessica have to drive up the road to get service to call her mom? Listen to this. So Dior is saying now, okay, now we really gotta call nine one one, right? When he left. I tried to call my mom to see if I could make a call and for her to understand me. So it's very important to her that she calls her mom to make sure that she A, has service and B, that her mom can hear her without breaking up so that she can then call 911. I tried to call her five times before the call went through. When my mom answered, I told her little man was missing and we couldn't find him. She couldn't understand me because I was crying and panicked. 
so she yelled at me to calm down so she could understand me. When I told her what was going on, she told me that I needed to call 911. No shit. I hung up with her and I called 911. I told the dispatcher what was going on. She told me my husband was on the other line with them. When I was done talking to her, I took everything out of my pockets and threw them in Dior's truck on the passenger seat. And then, I don't know, and then she scratches out a full line after that. Whatever she says after that, she scratched out. Um, I have no idea why that was important to her, but she noted it. When I got out of the truck and started heading towards the creek, I almost ran into Isaac. He was coming up from the creek with his fishing pole and tackle box when he saw me. He asked me what was going on, and I said, my son is missing. Have you seen him? And he looked past my right shoulder and replied no and walked around me toward the fire pit. I thought it was strange that he didn't seem to care or even or didn't even look at me, but I headed back to the creek to check the water again. I figured if little man saw where his dad and I went, where he might have tried to get to us and fallen in the creek. I continued to check the creek and move things around in the water until I heard a four-wheeler or something pull up in the campground. After the engine sound stopped, I heard voices talking and I got out of the creek and started to walk toward the campground. When I got to the campground, Dior was talking to a man from Search and Rescue who introduced himself to me as Ray. He asked us the details of where the last place was that he saw our son, that we saw our son, and where we were when he went missing. He told us he would like to have us search all the vehicles and camper again to double check. He also asked us to stay in the campground so no one would have to go searching for us. Shortly after that, the Lemhi County police officers and more search and rescue officials started showing up. That's all 14 pages of Jessica's written statement. Wow. Which I believe would have been given pretty soon after all this happened. All right. You ready for Vernal's same account? Yeah, I guess so. Or account of the same time frame? I do wonder what she scratched out. I do too. And why did you need to... What's the significance of taking everything out of your pockets? Like, did you have And putting it in the floorboard? I don't... I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Or is that you trying to say, everything that I had on me, I put it right there, you can find it there? Like, are you trying to show that there was something you didn't have on you, or... I don't know. I just... doesn't make any sense. For somebody... For somebody who is in... She says she was in shock at this point, you know, later, because we're going to find so many inconsistencies with the stories that later she's going to say, look, I was in shock. I was so stressed out. I was in a very stressful situation, which is understandable. How do you get that down to the detail? Yeah, she was very, very detailed. That uh, she was very detailed, but also left out that. The dog came. I don't know. It's very, very strange. And so what investigators say is that typically people who are telling the truth, they're going to start with a rough outline, right? They're going to they're going to give you the high points initially. And then as time goes by and more details become clear and less fuzzy, they'll fill in some of those gaps. But the, the high points don't change. And it's much different than saying, well, today I told you. I woke up at eight o'clock and tomorrow I'm going to tell you and I cooked breakfast and tomorrow I'm going to tell you that I didn't cook breakfast and that I woke up at noon or whatever, you know. So it's very different than the entire thing changing. She comes out the gate with the most a three point (laughs) bulleted list with a bibliography. Yes. I mean, here is Vernal's three page statement. 
and he writes like a dude, so I might have a little trouble with it. On July 10th, I woke up in, and he starts at the 10th. He doesn't go back to the 8th. On July 10th, I woke up in Bob's Suburban that Jessica and my son and I stayed in for the night. My son. Yes. I woke up later than Jessica and my son. It was around 8 a.m. It's just so strange to me that they keep saying it my son. It seems so much effort to say that. It's just so, like, now that you've said what you've said about it, I can understand if they're trying to disassociate or, like, you know. I mean, I, I hate to, I don't know. It's not like I'm thinking that out the gate. I mean, I've researched this a lot. But it's just weird. Like, and if, I I can almost understand them writing out Lil Man so much. If that's, if that's legit all they ever called him, then okay. But my son? My son. That's formal. And, and he says it speaking, too. My son this, my son that. Like, I don't know. Okay. Uh, it was around 8 a.m. I got up and everyone was around the fire pit. Bob, Isaac, Jessica, and my son. I got out and offered to start cooking breakfast. After I kept having to remind Jessica to keep a hold of little Dior, he says it there, he wanted to be with me, but I didn't want him by the fire pit. Wasn't Jessica the one that made breakfast that morning? Who can know? <laughs> Who can know? And remember, Jessica said... That little man kept tripping around the fire while she was cooking breakfast. He was holding his cup in his blanket. Mm-hmm. And so she goes and puts the blanket in the Suburban. Now, now Vernal is making a very concerted effort to say, I was cooking breakfast and I had to turn around and say, Jessica, keep an eye on this kid. He's getting too close to the fire. Okay, that doesn't match. We ate and sat around the campfire talking about the day. My son was playing with the family dog, Missy, by my truck. And my son wanted to untie the dog. She was tied up because she kept trying to bite Isaac. We all stayed around camp. Jessica told me she needed us to go into Lador. She needed tampons. So I told her, I'll warm up my Cummins, I think is what this is. Like a Cummins. Like a diesel engine. Haven't you seen like Cummins on the back yes. of the trucks or whatever? I think that's what he's riding. And we get... And we get every, I think he's trying to say everybody some candy everyone said they wanted. And I wanted a Rockstar energy drink. So we loaded my son and buckled him in his car seat. I talk about my kids a lot. I've never, I mean, if I'm talking like to somebody I don't know, maybe I'll be, and and you don't know his name, I would say my son, like uh, my oldest son or whatever. Well, and a lot of times it, you say it maybe once or twice at the beginning. Yeah, I'll and say, you're like, my son, my ben. son ben. Yeah. And, and then you and go now you've got ben. it. Yeah. But the police know who he is. It's just, it's just strange. I don't know. I know I'm getting, I'm hung up on it. All right. Here's another one. Bob said to try to be back by 11 a.m. So we head down. 11? I thought it was one. Yeah. So we head down to town. It's about a 45-minute drive or eight miles. I, I have to wonder because Vernal says in, his, in his, some of his other statements that by the time I got breakfast cooked, everybody fed and cleaned up, we're probably at about 10 o'clock by now. There's, he couldn't have even made it to Lodore by 11 at that point. So I'm thinking it's a misspeak. Maybe he meant 1 p.m. But, you know, I've read a lot of stuff online where people have commented on it and they're like, They've said the same thing that you'd think that would be a misspeak. But how often do you confuse a.m. with p.m.? You know, like maybe 
I don't know. It's just that's a whole different like 11 a.m. versus 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. is a big difference. But yeah. I don't know. Andrew's really bad at num- like times like it'll be 730 in the morning and he's like, um, hey, I need to make sure that we leave by 615. And I'm like, bitch, it's 730 already. He's <laughs> like, oh, I mean, 830. I'm like, uh, <laughs> he'll just he does stuff like that. So I don't I don't know. It, it's a it it's a happen. strange comment, but. He couldn't have even made it there by 11, so I'm I'm thinking that's a misspeak. But there's so many other lies, it becomes blurry, kind of. First thing we did when we went to town was look for a station that had diesel fuel to top off my truck. He just needs to top it off. While your wife is having a little bit of a crisis in the yeah. passenger seat. She may very well be bleeding out at this point. <laughs> like... Okay, I just can't imagine, like, well, first of all, I feel like most of the time dudes are like, eh, the less we can talk about this, the better, like, you need tampons, let's just handle that, and I I don't need to know the details or whatever. Yeah. But if you're camping and you only brought a certain amount of clothes, first of all, it would suck to start your period on a camping trip, I mean, because mm-hmm. there's no bathroom there, Mm-mm. you know that, but if you've only got a certain amount of clothes... And there's no Dollar General in Lador. You can't go buy new underwear if you ruin them. You can't go buy new pants right then. So it's like, I would I would think that the tampons are going to be our very first stop. They would be for me. And we would have left maybe without cleaning up breakfast. Like, maybe Isaac and Bob can handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so weird. We seen a sign just in town that said diesel. So I, f- I pulled in... The sign said card only. We only had cash. But it said to go to Lador in something street. I can't read this word. So I did. The guy, and he uses no punctuation, so I'm doing the best I can here. So I did the, so I did. The guy told me they were out of diesel, but Peterson Machine, I think that's the end of a sentence. I told him thanks. I had fuel, but didn't know the area and didn't want to run out so now he's being like well i've got some i've got plenty it's just i'm just trying to like check around again but that's his top priority but he's like i've got plenty it's not it's really not a huge deal i'm just trying to learn yeah. my way around here don't worry about it i just wanted to make sure yeah i'm gonna make eleven thousand stops to get it and i'm gonna let my wife bleed through my truck seat i'm not trying to be gross but like if you just started your period, that's your heaviest time, and we're three hours into this now, and this isn't even that big of a deal to you, it's the it's very strange. We got directions, but we took the wrong turn past the old post office to a dirt road, and Jessica informed me I was wrong, and she saw the post office, so we pulled in a dirt driveway and turned around, went back, and found Peterson. So they're still going for the fuel at this point. It's not a big deal, but they're still going for it. I went in the office, found a redhead guy in 5'9", middle age, said he had fuel. Meet him around back, so I drove around, he topped off my truck, and I paid him, gave him the change, and the three of us went down the road to stage stop, and Jess got what she needed. My son picked out his Swedish fish. I grabbed him a bigger bag. I grabbed my rock star. At the back of the store... We went to the register. All three of us in the cashier, uh, in parentheses, a short, heavy-set Hispanic woman, said she was going to be right there. She was cooking potato wedges. I told Jessica we should get us some, and my 
And my son wanted this Krispy Kreme donut cup, so I bought it. And we waited for her to cook our potato wedges. I was talking to a few people behind us in line. One was a Budweiser truck driver. Another was a truck driver from Utah for Gillith Trucking, I think. And the other man was in a booth staring at us. He was looking down whenever I looked at him. Jessica paid the cashier and said she was going to the restroom. I said I would put our son and our stuff in the truck. Again, I said I would put our son. I said I would put Ben in the truck. If you're Andrew, I I don't. Yeah. I buckled him in and gave him a potato wedge and a few donut holes. And we waited for Jessica. Who buckled him in? Yeah, that's either a mess. She made a point to say I buckled him in. I gave him potato wedges. I gave him donut holes and I gave him his Swedish fish. Now we've got Vernal saying, Jessica's in the bathroom. She had to buy tampons. I buckled him in. I did the action of buckling him in. <sighs> Which one? Doesn't make any sense. She came out and we headed back to camp. After a few miles, Goob, quote, or in parentheses, my son, asked for his fishies. Jessica opened the bag and gave it to him. Now we're miles down the road before we open the bag. That's not what she said. He and I were teasing each other and laughing. We pulled up to camp and Bob and Isaac were just pulling in in the Suburban. We all got out. Jessica passed out the candy they wanted. Bob sat down by the fire and then Isaac did. Then Jessica and my son, I asked Bob if they were going up to the reservoir you don't want to see how he spelled that <laughs> and where it was. And they, he said they just came from there and there were other people fishing there. That's not true. No. And there were, um, oh, and they had fished in the creek by the camp. Jessica wanted to fish. I told her there's no way there are fish in that shallow creek. Bob said, oh, yes, there is. And told Isaac to show us. He pulled out a bag that I think had seven fish in it. The end. That's it? That's it. There's no mention of the child going missing. No. No. None of that. None of that. Did he misunderstand the writing assignment? (laughs) (laughs) Gonna have to give you a D. Plus. Yeah. So, there's some discrepancies there. A lot. A lot. Who cooked breakfast? And, like, Philip Klein, when he's talking about this, he's like... What was the question again? Who cooked breakfast? Yes. <laughs> like, the answer is yes. Exactly. Like, he's like, it's a simple question. Why can't anybody answer this fucking question? Who cooked breakfast? Yes. So, they talk to, you know, they talk to everybody, and everybody's stories are... Did they get a written statement from Bob? I don't, I don't know if they, I would assume that they got a written statement from him and Isaac, but I did not find copies of those. However, in Bob's taped interview, and this is a little bit later once the Klein investigations got involved because we have a lot of the video from Klein, he he asks, okay, so Jessica and Vernal ask you to watch Little Dior. And he's like, well, yeah, I heard that. Like, what do you mean you heard that? Did they ask you or not? He's like, well, I heard that they said they did. And they're like, okay. That's not answering the question, though. That's like, well, they they think they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, 
they they took off and I guess I thought I was kind of watching them anyway, but I I don't remember them asking me that. No, not specifically. But I, you know, whatever. I kind of thought I was watching him anyway. Okay, so then, all right, Bob, which one is it? Were you watching him? Did you believe that you were watching him? Or when they came back up the fucking hill and you said, well, I thought he was with you. Those are two completely different things. Well, and you can't be like, whichever one. Yeah. And then he even says in the taped interview, I better shut up before I get in trouble here. Oh, whoa. And he says... None of our, all of our stories, I'm sure, are probably different. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. <sighs> what does it mean? I mean, I will, we will hear more about this. I need to know more information. But to me, it kind of seems like they didn't rehearse their stories before they went to the police. Mm-mm. Was Dior even at the campground? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Did they murder him before this? And then he didn't, you know. Yeah. Was the trip a cover up? If there's no even, if there's no proof that he was even there. And that's the thing. Like Dior or I'm sorry, Vernal makes a few statements later on that, that place, they're, they're all placing Dior at the campsite, right? But he makes statements later on that, that place him in town with them and and have witnesses interacting with him. But none of that can be verified. I was going to ask if they had gotten a hold of any of those witnesses. Yeah. So And so that's what the police are going to do at this point. They're getting statements from the people there. And they're going to go back into town. And they're going to start talking to people because they need to know what's going on. And remember, Jessica at this point is saying she's pointing the finger at two people. And Vernal is, too. There was a weird guy at stage stop who was staring at us. And Isaac. And Isaac is weird. He didn't seem to care. Um, you know, whatever. And and they actually said, too, that the night before when they got to the campground. Now, here's another thing. Remember, Jessica said, we got to the campground. I set up Grandpa Bob bed. in the camper. Isaac had a tent, so he stayed in a tent. They went to bed. We sat around the fire looking at the stars until we decided it was time to go to bed. So they didn't think a two-year-old needed to be, three-year-old needed to be in bed yet. Okay, and whatever. That doesn't seem like a fun time for a two or three-year-old to just look up at the stars. Like, that's not, no. they're not at that age where they want to do that. No. And maybe he was already asleep, but they don't say that. That would be the most likely scenario to me, but mm-hmm. they don't say that. In another statement, Jessica says that Isaac was acting really weird that night when they were all sitting around the campfire after they got back and made camp, that he was taking a knife and throwing it down into a log and then picking it back up and throwing it down into a log. And they both say that Isaac was acting really weird in the sense that he seemed like he didn't like children and he didn't want to be around a child and he was frustrated that they'd brought a child. And he made comments like, why would you bring a child up here and stuff like that? But in her written statement, she says he went right to bed. No mention of him sitting. And she made a point to section off the next morning who was around the campfire and all that kind of stuff. She doesn't mention him that night. So, okay. So the police are going to go. They're going to talk to people. And the community completely, like, rallies around them, of course. They're like, oh, my gosh. You know, it, it has happened. It has happened where people go up camping or whatever and accidents happen or they lose track of a kid, or um, I think at some point before that, another family had been camping, and one of their sons, a little boy, 
had gone into the water and the stepdad did CPR on this kid for like 45 minutes until search and rescue could get up there and the little boy didn't make it and the and the stepdad like almost completely fell apart because he couldn't save this child like there are things that can happen yeah so the community is just like oh my gosh you know they're raising money in a GoFundMe account to try to help them find him and all these things so they hire a private investigator and the first one is Frank Vilt and he was like they call him a friend of the family he heard about it he offered to do everything at no charge and he offered to put up twenty thousand dollars of his own money for a reward. What to uh, for information? Wow! And he says that, and and at first, when he first got involved, he's like full on. It's got to be abduction. Like it's got to be what it is. Then when he offers to put the twenty thousand dollars behind it and to start talking to the media to make it like a national case, because he's like, if this was abduction, if this was some kind of a trafficking situation, he could be somewhere else. He may not just be in Idaho. Like, we need to expand this investigation. And he says that Vernal said, absolutely not. We don't want a reward out there. We don't want to go to the media. We don't want to get too involved with it, all this kind of stuff. Why? Vernal denies this. But Frank Vilt sent text messages to them after this and sent them a written letter, which he released to the public as well, that said, I'm pulling myself from this investigation because you've not been truthful with me and you have not been cooperative with me, and you're refusing to let me expand this investigation the way that it needs to go so that we can find him if he was, in fact, abducted, and so I'm going to have to recuse myself from the investigation. If he's just making that up, that's a lot of steps to take. And and Frank Vilt was a retired U.S. Marshal. Like, it's not like he was just, like, you know, one of us, and was like, hey, I'll come help you or whatever. Right. So he, he knew his shit. During this time, though, they start looking into that guy that was staring for too long or whatever. And so the um, sheriff is like, you know, we did a lot to try to find out who this guy was. And he was a local and he went to the stage stop all the time just to like drink coffee or whatever. And he drove a black Jeep Rubicon, apparently. And so they asked Jessica and Vernal, do you remember seeing a... Now, I don't know how they worded this question. Do you remember seeing... Well, let me back up, actually. The Black Jeep Rubicon came from a tip that a woman called in when Frank Vilt was working on it. And she called in and said that she had four young boys, and she and her husband had gone up to Timber Creek, and or somewhere right around there, and they were hiking. And she and her husband, like, went, took, she took the younger boys, he took the older boys, and they were, you know, doing their thing or whatever. She got back to the car before her husband and the older boys did. And she saw a man watching them she thought was following them. And he, she got freaked out and, like, went in the car and was worried. And he got into a black Jeep Rubicon and drove away. So she felt like she, they were being followed by this guy. So with this information, they asked Jessica and Vernal, did you remember seeing a Jeep in the parking lot at the stage stop? And they both said that they did see a black Jeep, newer-looking Rubicon. I don't know if he said... Here's the information I have. Do you remember that car? Or just tell us seeing a Jeep. Yeah. So I'm not sure which came first there. Um, so the sheriff says we found the guy. He's a friend of the guy that owns the stage stop or something like that. He's there a lot. We verified him. Couldn't have been him. So that kind of fizzled out that that lead. And once they clear that guy, then the only other person that Vernal and Jessica have been pointing fingers at would be Isaac. 
So now they're going to start looking at Isaac. And they said that he didn't help search at all, that he and Trina, Jessica's mom, says he refused to help search um, when everybody was up there. Yeah. And um, they just had a bad feeling about him. He didn't seem to care all of these things. So they talk to Isaac and ask him his account of the day. Isaac says that he woke up at noon. What? Mm-hmm. But Jessica says he woke them up around 8 or 8.30, saying wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. And the way that she said that, the way that her memory is coming back from that when she elaborates on it in a video interview is that he's holding a spatula up like he's been cooking or he's about to cook. But then she says she cooked the breakfast. So in some statements, it seems like Isaac cooked the breakfast. And in some statements, it seems like she did. And then in other statements, Vernal did. So, but he says he got up at noon. And when he got up, everybody was already awake. They were already around the campfire. And that Jessica and uh, Vernal and Dior were getting ready to go into town. Now, that's a couple hours off from everything else if they got back around one. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, that's what he says happened. And he said that he was fishing for a while when he returned to the campsite after he'd been fishing. That's when he found out that Dior was missing. So he didn't really know. He wasn't around when it happened. Um, They start looking at Bob. Bob was supposedly the last person to see him because he was supposed to have been watching him. Bob's on oxygen. He very likely couldn't do anything to him himself. But could he be covering? You know, I don't know. His statements are odd in the sense that, you know, he's very like, well, our stories aren't going to match. And um, this is going to get me in trouble. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble here. And I better shut up before I say anything wrong. Whatever. It's unlikely he did anything, but it seems like he has more information that he's not wanting to share. Yeah. Then in. After Frank Vilt takes himself out of the case, they hire Klein Investigation. So they come up from Texas and they start working on the case. And the GoFundMe, I think they raised like twenty five grand or whatever. And Klein says they spent about twenty. No, they they raised twenty nine grand. And Klein says they they spent twenty grand on like flights, uh, diving efforts, searches, like all these things. And as they begin to get further and further into the case, they start seeing more and more discrepancies. So in March of 2016, Philip Klein releases a statement publicly that says that he believes that, um, he says, we've declared it now an accidental death or homicide, and we based it on a few things. So he ended up doing an interview with East Idaho News, and he says... I want to announce for the first time that we, law enforcement, and the FBI have interviewed Vernal Coons, Dior Sr., the father of Dior, nine times. He's been given nine interviews, and none of the stories he's told have matched or ever been verified. Oh, wow. That's very disturbing for us as investigators. He's given us a story, and when we go out and try to prove up simple things on the timeline, it falls apart quickly. And then uh, the interviewer says, can you give us examples of those inconsistencies? We can't even match simple things like filling up with gas at a diesel store in Lador on the day of the event. He clearly says the gentleman who was pumping the gas actually saw the child. We interview the guy who supposedly saw the child, and he comes back and says, I don't remember seeing a child. Simple things like a dog in the back of the pickup. There was no dog. 
Little things that investigators look at as simple things, Vernal has not been able to verify with us. As for Jessica, she's given five interviews to law enforcement and none of the stories she's given us matched. In fact, she changes her story depending on what day it is and what day we talk to her. This is very disturbing to us. We can't even verify basic information that Vernal tells us and neither of their stories match. It's not even close as a matter of fact. Eyewitnesses that they have listed from guys that distribute the beer to the clerk at the store to the person that pumped the gas to the basic timeline information, Vernal and Jessica tell us one story, but then the witnesses say, no, that never happened. Here's what did happen. So we take all of that and we come back to them and we say, okay, tell us what really happened because all these witnesses you have given us, they don't match. And so they tell us the story again. We go out and try to re-verify with different witnesses. Then in some cases, some say, we don't even know who these people are. Who are you talking about? Not only that, it comes down to simple things like they played with Dior at the store. We talked to the witnesses before and after who didn't even see a child in the store. Mm-hmm. It brings concern to us and brings us to the question of why would they lie to us? Why would they not just tell us the truth? We add that Vernal has gone in for five polygraph tests from different polygraph test administers, state, local, and federal government. Vernal not only failed all five, but he failed all five in the 99th percentile. This oh, is hugely wow. disturbing to us. He can't even pass a non-control question like, are you going to tell us the truth today? He flunks it, and not only does he flunk it, he doesn't just spike in his polygraph test. It's like a wave. This disturbs us tremendously. Then we move to Jessica. Law enforcement gives Jessica four different tests. Jessica failed not only to the 99th percentile, but she also cannot pass simple control questions. That's not because she's nervous. She's able to pass her name. She's able to pass where she is today. She's able to pass certain questions that are no-brainer questions but doesn't even come close to what happened to Dior or are you going to tell the truth today? She fell so bad that in my 26 years, I've never heard of a person failing that bad. Today, we're going to announce that there was a cadaver dog interaction with certain equipment at the site and that cadaver dog did hit positive. I can't go any further than that other than we do have a dog that hit in the initial two weeks of the primary investigation. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. The the public at this point is going to turn on them because they believe that they were involved and they're kind of feeling betrayed. Like, what the fuck? We've rallied around you. We've gone up there. We've searched. We've raised money for you. You're not telling us the truth. You're not being truthful with us. So March of 2016 is really when things take a pretty bad turn. And in the next episode, we're going to go through the complete timelines so that we can really highlight all of the discrepancies. And I feel like we already hit a ton of them. And this is just like in the overview. But like in, I'm sure, true Vernal and Jessica and Bob fashion, there's going to be a ton more discrepancies. Yeah. And it's it's bad. And of course, they're all incredibly detailed and, you know, whatever. All right, you guys. So to end today's episode, we have some shout outs. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. So if you are, <laughs> why did we just do that? Like, bear, bear. like, <laughs> and we're dancing and you can't see it. <laughs> no. Um, if you are $7 a month or higher, you get a shout out. Yay. Yay. Yay for you. And yay for us. Cause we're so excited. Yeah. And here we go. Here we go. Tiffany Ann White. Gyro Banks. Allison Foley. Jessica Chermack, Veronica Richmond, Taylor Brenton, Karen Washington, Aww. Lauren Lehman, Natalie Firth, Rachel, Liz Bennett, Whitney Jones, Taylor Edmonds, Lizzie, Susan Kloss, Kendra Couch, Samantha Knopfsinger, 
Jessica Concepcion. Ooh, I don't know. I hope I didn't. Well, we know. Go ahead. <laughs> Courtney Hager. Crystal. Ellie Oakford. Raul Morgan. Melissa Taylor. Sarah. Rory Madden. Marsha Hutchinson. Lex Blair. Nadia Robson. Amelia Witt. Kayla. Jill Nicole Moore. Sarah Amuroglu. Amuro... Amuroglu. I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. You know who you are. Chelsea Burns. Allison Sands. Sarah Clink. Zach Atkinson. Jill Basil. Angela Boma. Valerie Scholl. Rachel Abrams. Lainey Baker. Rachel. Caitlin Rowland. Bianca Sangali. Riley Schroeder. Nikki Brand. Georgia Stevens. Erica Woodake. McKendry Deathman. Ashley Kendall. Shanice Marie. Wendy French. Gabriella Cesar. Alicia. Lindsay Thawbet. Hunter Talley. Ashteen Stevens. Elise Stephanie Hunt. Yay! We love you, booze. Yes. So that's what's going to happen in the next episode. And of course, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you'll get it immediately. Otherwise, we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.